morning, everybody. How you doing today? So good to see you. Hey, during that song, I don't, I don't usually do this, but during that song, a verse came rushing to my head that fits with our message today. I want to read it to you. It's so good. Um, this is Ephesians chapter 2, and I think it's appropriate post-Easter to listen to this. Listen to this. It says, although you were dead in your offenses and sins in which you formerly lived according to this world's present path, according to the ruler of the dominion of the air, the ruler of the spirit that is now energizing the sons of disobedience, among whom all of us also formerly lived out our lives in the cravings of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and the mind, and you were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Listen to this. This is so good. It says, but God, rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our offenses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you were saved. And he raised us up together with him and seated us together with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you were saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it's a gift from God. It is not of your works so that no one can boast. Listen to this right here. For we are his creative work, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so we can do them. I love this, for, for we are his creative work. Another, another translation says, we are his masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he's called us to long ago. That's so good. You do all things well. Come on, can we just give God praise for doing all things well this morning? God, we thank you. We thank you last week as we celebrated Easter, last week as we celebrated Easter and we celebrated your resurrection Today, we're stepping into celebrating our resurrection in Christ Jesus. And so today, as we start this new series called My People, the people of God, the family of God, the children of God, God, today, we want to celebrate resurrection life that you brought to us. Last week, we celebrated you as the resurrection and the life. This week, we want to celebrate that new life that you have given to us and extended to us. Help us, God, to walk in that newness of life every single day and accept that we are your workmanship. We are your craftsmanship. We are your creative work. If you began a good thing in us, you will finish a good thing in us. We can trust you. God, right now there might be weird stuff sticking out of our life or weird things, or man, what's that gonna turn into? Or what's this shape gonna become? But God, we know that we are being formed by you, Jesus. We're being crafted by you. We are your creative work and you do all things well. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, come on, everybody said? Amen, amen, amen. amen. So good to see you today. We had a great Easter last weekend. There was 1,100 people with us here in the building. So good, so good. And hopefully we see some of them before Christmas. Okay, so um, I don't know about you, but I got to, I, you know that you've eaten the Easter candy too fast when all that's left in the bag is peeps now. We're past the Reese's, we're past the Hershey's, we're past, you know, the Hershey's has a hierarchy too, like the milk chocolate is the best, 
and then you get to that red package one that's got like the crispies in it, and it's like, that's okay. And then you get to the one with the nuts, and you're like, I guess I'll still eat it. It's still chocolate. And then, and you know, now I'm at the peeps. So we're at the peeps now. So we're done with Easter candy at this point. Um, I want to talk to you today. Uh, we're starting this series called My People. All throughout Scripture, God talks to us like he wants to have a people to call his own. If you look all throughout the covenants, throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, the New Testament covenant, the Old Testament covenant, not just the Old Testament, but also the covenants made in the Old Testament, the Noah covenant, the David covenant, all these different covenants. If you look, what you see is God trying to make an agreement. I will be your God and you will be my people. God wants to have a people. He wants to have a family. And today I want to talk to you from a passage in First Peter, that in my study this week, I actually found was the most common passage preached the week after Easter in the early church. Why? Because we just had all these people who just said yes to Jesus, who just became Christians, who just celebrated resurrection life. In other words, we have a bunch of babies now, newborn babies, and we need instruction for these newborn babies who just now have become new creations. Jesus made you a new creation. Whether you realize it or not, last week, his resurrection means that you are a new creation. And so 1 Peter was often preached the week after Easter because it leans into celebrating you as a new creation and giving instruction for new creation people. And so I want to preach to you today from 1 Peter 1 and 2, this first part of the series called my people. Listen to this verse right here. First Peter 1 through, uh, 1, 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is, into an inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is reserved in heaven for you, who by God's power are protected through faith for, for a salvation ready to be received in the last time. I love this right here. New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is into an inheritance. Come on, somebody. Who wants a big, fat inheritance? You know, right now in this room, when you hear the word inheritance, you immediately start thinking about your family and you start thinking, well, I'm not going to get anything from that person. I'm not going to get anything from that person. And that person has more debt than they have money. And that person has more. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? You, you make a list in your head of all the aunts and uncles that you have and all the, do they have children? Do they not have children? Oh, they don't have kids and they have a lot of money. Come on, praise the Lord. And you're calling them up and you're like, uncle, I want to remind you how much I've loved you my whole life. Why? Because an inheritance is a good thing. But even more than just having an inheritance, you know what an inheritance says? It says, I have a family. When you have an inheritance, you have a dad. When you have an inheritance, you have a family. When you have an inheritance, you belong to something that is handed to you that you don't deserve, you didn't earn it, you did nothing to get it, it's an inheritance. So what is Peter saying here? First of all, he's saying, you are a new baby, a new creation. 
right? You are a new life. You are a new thing. Because of Jesus, you are a new creation. There's a verse that says that we are created anew in Christ Jesus. He's saying that we are a new creation. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, but this week, we celebrate in this room so much new creation, new life. You know, we're in the season of new creation. That's what all this pollen is, right? And it's really obnoxious and really annoying. And me and Scout, our eyes are swollen shut by the end of the night and all this. You know what that is? It's new creation. It's new life. Jesus has brought us new life. Coming out of winter, coming out of dead, coming out of, coming out of things, fall, you know, things dying and falling and things, uh, you know, all the trees are like skeletons and it's cold and it's dreary. Coming out of that, we're coming into this season of new life. In Christ Jesus, you are a new creation, new life. When I, th- when I think about this, I, I often think about me and Kenzie and the two awesome kids that we had and the, the, the babies, like, right? Like newborn babies. This was, these, these were our pictures of, yeah, so this one on the left is actually when I was holding Scout and then Story. She was not happy about this. And then that's a picture of Scout. And then this is Story kissing Scout. Oh my gosh. This is the cutest thing ever. New life, new babies. Babies are awesome. Babies are a miracle. Babies are special. You are, in Christ Jesus, a new baby, a fresh baby. You know, you know the expression, softer than a baby's bottom? Why? Because their skin is soft. They're, 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 they're sweet. They're innocent. They're, they're like these little, teeny, precious, little, amazing babies. We had, we had stories, pictures professionally done, right? Oh, my gosh. When you think about new babies and new creation, and you think about the family of God, and I'm a new creation, and I'm a part of the family of God, this is how we imagine babies, just these precious little sweet amazing things. This is how we imagine bringing a newborn baby home, but it's really, honestly, it's more like this, where they will not sleep, so you have to strap them to your body while you wash the bottles that they drank out of all day long and change their diapers and, you know, all this stuff. Babies, new life is awesome and it's amazing, but they come with some challenges, And so Peter is writing to us, he's writing to people, and he's saying, you are now a new creation, this is awesome, but I'm gonna give you a couple instructions about this new creation that you are. New creation needs some instruction. We can't just all come to church and whine and cry and poop our pants every time that we're in church together. We can't just cry, feed me, feed me, and whine and cry. We need some instruction. And so first we want to celebrate you are a new creation, but now we want to step into what does that mean and what am I supposed to do about it? Like, what's the, what's the instruction here? I'm going to give you a couple instructions for this new life that we have in Jesus, okay? Here's the, here's the first one in First Peter. He's going to give us these instructions. In this you rejoice. He's talking about the inheritance. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while if necessary, You have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes 
uh, though it is tested by fire, may be found uh, to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. He says, you rejoice at this inheritance that you have. Yay, I have an inheritance. I'm a part of a family. I'm a new creation. But then he says, although you've been grieved by various trials. How many people on Easter, you celebrated newness of life, and on Monday, you got a bill in the mail that did not feel like newness of life? How many people on Sunday, you celebrated newness of life, and then on Monday, you had someone in your family had a bad health diagnosis? How many people on Sunday, you celebrated newness of life, and then all of a sudden, you had a trial waiting there for you on Monday? Come on, just wave at me if that was you. Easter was great, Monday was not so great. Easter was awesome. Monday robbed my Easter from me. Tuesday robbed my Easter from me. My mother-in-law robbed my Easter from me, whatever it is. I have a great mother-in-law. I really do, she's awesome. Whatever it is robbed my, robbed my Easter from me. Now for Peter's day, he was not talking to people who just, they had a bill they didn't like or they had a, a, a marriage situation that they were going through or they had a family member that was giving them trouble. Peter was talking to a group of people who were literally being rounded up and murdered. They were being, they were being gathered together and, and fed to lions and fed to, they were being crucified. Why? For believing in this inheritance that they have in Christ Jesus. So he's not just writing to people who just have a little bit of trouble. He's saying these are some bad trials. How many know that the trials of life will shake you? Victor Frankl um, was, he, he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, and he was in the Holocaust. He was, he was in, uh, I can't remember if it was Auschwitz or where he was, but he was writing this book about how some people were able to survive and others were not able to. And he said this, he said, all suffering is relative. He said, what to me might be the worst suffering ever you know, you're going through something that's your worst suffering ever, and I'm going through my, whatever it is, suffering is, it's all relative. For you, the issue you're walking through might be the worst thing you've ever experienced in your life, and the thing that I'm walking through is the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. He's saying, even if you haven't experienced a concentration camp or whatever, you have your own trials as well, right? So this is what he's writing in his book. Even if you haven't experienced famine and war and drought, whatever, that doesn't mean that your trials aren't trials to you. So how many people know that you're like, yes, I'm experiencing trials. And when we come to Jesus and when we become new creations, we think we're not going to have trials anymore, right? We're not going to have issues anymore. No, we're going to have trials and the trials are going to shake you. Here's instruction number one that Peter is giving us about this newness of life that you have in Christ Jesus is that Babies need to not be shaken, okay? <laughs> Babies need to not be shaken. When I was, when I was, like when we had, I say when we had Story as if I did any of the work. When Story was born um, at the hospital, it, it was, they, you know, the nurses are coming in every five seconds. They're telling you what to do. They're like trying to make sure that you're sane human beings that are about to take this baby home. And they're checking on you and they're, and they're, you know, they're doing all this stuff to you, making sure that you're good parents. And at the end, when, when it's time to leave, they have these waivers that you have to sign. And like, I, we never did this with our second baby. But with the first baby, with Story, they bring us his waiver. In order to take Story home, 
we had to sign this like three-page waiver that essentially said over and over and over again in three different page, like three different pages, I will not shake my baby. I will not shake my baby under any circumstance. I will not shake my baby to stop them from crying. I will not shake my baby when I'm angry. I will not shake my baby. It was like, am I, it was like three pages. Did anyone else have to sign this or was this just me and Kenzie? Because everyone else is like, I didn't sign. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. There's some other unstable human beings in this room too. So the nurses are flagging people like, these people are psycho. Give them the shaken baby waiver. We had to sign this waiver. I will not shake my baby. I will not shake my baby. I'm looking at my wife and I'm like, what is, like, are we going to want to shake our baby? <laughs> what is this? You know, we, we, we get home and the baby's doing bad stuff and we're like, I really want to shake her, but we signed that waiver. <laughs> uh, stupid waiver. <laughs> She's crying. Ah, I want to shake her so bad, right? I will not shake my baby. You know, here, here's the thing about life is life is going to get hard. Life is going to shake you. But if you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, you need to not be shaken. Are you hearing me? Last week was a great week. We're on cloud nine. Jesus rose from the dead. Things are awesome. Then you have a trouble. Let not that trouble shake your life. Don't let that trouble shake your faith. You're being tested by various trials you know, of your faith. Your faith is being tested. That does not mean that I need to be shaken. That does not mean that my life needs to be shaken. Listen to this. Uh, uh, Paul writes about Timothy. Uh, he, he says this. He says, uh, we sent Timothy to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken. Timothy was the nurse coming into the room trying to keep the baby from being shaken. Now, in earthly terms, not shaking your baby means do not shake your baby, okay? In this term, this is saying you, life will shake you. Life will shake you. You're going to be shaken. But Timothy comes to encourage this group, the Thessalonians, he comes to encourage them in their faith to keep them from being shaken. The world shakes, there's troubles, there's problems, there's issues, but Timothy's going to encourage their faith so that they will not be shaken by the troubles they're going through. But now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and your love. How can I make sure as a new believer that my faith is not shaken or that my life is not shaken? It's faith and love. If your faith is strong and your love is strong, you're not gonna be shaken. You're not gonna have a shaken baby syndrome, right? As a new believer in Christ Jesus, you need to know as a new believer, hey, congratulations, you just became a new Christian. The troubles aren't gonna stop. If anything, they're probably gonna get worse. I said yes to Jesus, my troubles went away. No, they didn't, they got worse. I said yes to Jesus, everything got easier. No, it didn't, it got harder. But somehow you became less shakable. Are you hearing me? Life got shakier and I became more immovable. Listen to this verse. David says this. David says in Psalm uh, 16, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. 
With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Listen to this about the kingdom of God. In Hebrews, it says this. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. With God at our right hand, we cannot be shaken. Timothy came to encourage the Thessalonians in their faith so that they would not be shaken by the troubles of life. Peter is saying to you, new believer, baby, baby, cute little innocent baby, he's saying to you in this new creation life, he's saying, don't be shaken. Don't be shaken. Babies need to not be shaken. Here's number two. Peter says this. Peter says this, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever And this word is the good news that was preached to you. We're going to go step right into the next passage right here. It says, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn babies, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Here's a second thing that you need if you're a new new baby Baby believer, new life people, they need milk. Babies need milk. Now, when we were in the hospital and we're getting ready to leave, it's like after the baby's born, especially the first one, I don't know what it is. It's like nurses don't trust you or whatever. They're coming in every five seconds and they're shoving this baby on my wife's body. (laughs) Feed the baby. And they're putting all this pressure on her. And And they're talking about like, the difference between breast milk and, and formula, and, if, and if, you're not, if you don't have enough breast milk, don't supplement with formula. We're going to give you donor milk, which is some random human being's milk that we have frozen in the back. We'll come and give that milk to your baby, right? It's like, and then my grandma, it's like she grew up in World War II generation where they were like, goat's milk works. <laughs> so they're like doing goat milk, and then they're like, you know, yogurt, I guess is fine. It's a milk product, right? They're, they're, they're feeding and there's all this pressure about diet and they're putting so much pressure on the woman. Maybe this was just us again, or maybe this was everybody. <laughs> they're putting so much pressure on the woman, you must breastfeed, right? They're like, they're like, I remember the night that Story was born, after Story was born, Kenzie came and like I laid next to her and we were just like holding each other, just like, I cannot believe that you just had a baby, this is crazy. And the nurse walks in and she's like, whoa. She just had a baby. Don't be touching her like that. And then that same nurse is grabbing my wife's boobs, shoving the baby on. And I'm like, my wife just had a baby. Don't be touching her like that. They're like, feed the baby. I'm like, leave her alone. So much pressure. You have to feed the baby. You have to do this. You have to do that. And they're like, formula is bad. And I'm like, scientifically, it got created this way. Do you know what my wife eats? Like, like, (laughs) 
Like, <laughs> this is just pureed Chick-fil-A that's going into my baby. I was like, <laughs> they need so much pressure about the diet, so much pressure about what the baby is going to eat. Do you know what I'm talking about? Peter talks about this, and he says that you as a newborn baby, get this, you need milk. In other words, you are not going to expect to sustain this newness of life that God has given you without eating. So a lot of people say yes to Jesus, and they, and they become a Christian, and they, man, God really, that really moved me, that service really moved me, but then their spiritual life withers and dies. Why? Because they're not feeding on the very thing that they tasted was good, and now they're not feeding on it anymore. If you're a new believer, you need the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. Look back at that verse one more time where he says, we need pure spiritual milk. He says, um, that, uh, you need pure spiritual milk if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And what is this pure spiritual milk? He says it in the verse before. It is the word of God. The same word of God that you tasted last week and believed last week. Jesus rose from the dead. You tasted this. You, you, you believed. Oh, I have newness of life because of Jesus. You received that. You believed that. That same word of God is going to sustain your newness of life. If you're not drinking of the, of the word of God, if you're not tasting of the word of God, if you're not feeding on that, if you came to church last week, but you don't come to church the next week and the next week and the next week, I, I can't expect this baby to grow healthy. I can't expect this baby to be sustained in that newness of life. Jesus tells a story, a, a, a parable about the sower and the different types of soil. And he says that the sower goes and sows liberally, but the soil receives it differently. And some of the soil is fertile and it produces a massive harvest. And some of the soil is rocky and, and the, you know, it just kind of dies out on the stone, on the rock. And some of that soil, the thorns of life come and choke it out. Some of that soil, what, what is he talking about here? He's saying like, the word of God on our life, if we receive the word of God and we hear the word of God and we go, yes, God, I believe it, but then the next week the worries of life are distracting us and we're not receiving the word of God anymore, if the next week all of a sudden we're like, you know, I'm too busy, I'm too busy pursuing my career, I can't hear the word of God today, are you hearing me? Then that, then that newness of life is not going to be sustained. The word of God is better than breast milk, formula, goat's milk cow's milk, any other kind of milk. It is pure. It is holy. It is special. It is innocent. It is. Here's actually what the Bible says. Second Timothy three sixteen. Every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. What does this mean? This means that the word of God needs to be the milk that we feed on. If we're Easter people, if we're newness of life people, we need to not be shaken and we need, to, we need the pure milk of the word of God steadily flowing into our life. Babies don't eat every seven days. They eat every seven seconds. Are you hearing me? All right, here's the next, here's the next one. Here's, he says, so that you may grow up into salvation. Point number three, babies need to grow up. Come on, somebody. 
Babies need to grow up. I love a newborn baby. Story, oh, it's so special, it's so sweet, it's so awesome. Oh, Scout, so special, so sweet, so awesome. If they're crying about the same stuff as they get older, we're gonna have to cut this out. Story was robbed of, you know, when, when, when she was three, we had a newborn baby. And so instantly, your big sister, grow up, okay? Scout has not had that luxury. So she is still running around following Kenzie as if she, there's still an umbilical cord attached. And she's crying and she's whining about the stupidest stuff. And she's, I want this and I want that. This morning she wanted more milk. Give me more milk. It's like, you are four years old. Why are you still drinking milk in the morning? And she's like, I want milk. I told her this morning, I, I said, if you drink too much milk, you're going to turn into a cow. And she said, dad, cows drink white milk. And I said, have you never seen a chocolate cow? And she took her milk and she pushed it away. <laughs> She's freaking out about, you know, milk. I need this, I need that. We literally the other day sat her down and we told her, we love Scout. Scout is awesome. She is fun. She's amazing. We love spending time with her. We think she's, she's wonderful. But this other thing, let's give it a name. Baby Poopy Face, okay? She is not, we don't like her. And she is not welcome to stay in our house anymore. She's like, oh, okay, okay. So now in our house, she'll start, and we're like, oh. And she's like, oh. You know, she starts getting worked up. Oh, that's baby poof, poopy face. And then she like stops, right? What, what is that? She needs, to, she needs to mature. She needs to grow up. Babies can't stay babies forever. That does not mean that you are ever going to outgrow your dependency on God. Are you hearing me? You're never going to outgrow your dependency on God, but you are going to outgrow some immaturity in your life. Go back to the beginning of this verse. First uh, Peter chapter 2 says, So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy. Peter is saying, that is baby poopy face. That is who you were before Jesus. Put that stuff away. Put all that immaturity away. Put all that baby stuff away. Put all that old life stuff away. And instead, do what? He says, like newborn babies, long for the pure stuff. Long for the good stuff. Put all that old stuff away and long for the good stuff. Here's the reality in you. Paul describes it as two natures. He says, there's two natures warring with, within me. There's the nature of the flesh that wants the bad stuff, and there's the nature of the spirit that wants God. What is maturity? Maturity is starting to say yes every day to the spirit stuff and no to the flesh stuff. And every single day, it's, it's making a fresh commitment. No, I'm going to say yes to the stuff of the spirit and no to the stuff of the flesh. Are you hearing me? Babies need to grow up into their inheritance, into their salvation. They need to grow up. What, what do I want to tell you today? You just said yes to Jesus last week. That's awesome. God loves you just the way you are. That's awesome. He's not going to leave you there. God loves me. He accepts me just the way I am. Praise God. I need that too. If God only accepted us when we were perfect, none of us would, would be okay. 
right? But we need to grow up. I don't, I, I don't want to say hi to the same people every single week at church. I want to say hi, when I greet you, I want to say hi to a new version of you every week. Are you hearing me? When you see me, I don't want you to see the same Kyle as you saw two years ago, a year ago, a week ago. Every time you see me, I want to be a, a, a version of me that has matured just a little more in Christ, has grown up just a little more in Christ. Have you ever seen someone you haven't seen in a really long time and they would say, I didn't even recognize you? Sometimes that's not nice to hear. It's like, yeah, I've gained 28 pounds. But sometimes it's wonderful to hear. You've been working out in the gym and you've been, you know, you've been taking care of yourself and they're like, man, I didn't even recognize you. And you're like, yeah, I know. Because I'm not the same person I used to be. The same, here's what Peter is saying. The same word of God that brought you to newness of life is the same word of God that's gonna make you into a new person today and to tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. You need to grow up. One person's happy about growing up. Everyone else is like, I don't want to grow up. All right, here's the next one. Grow up. Somebody say grow up. Okay. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but put in sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am living in Zion a stone. I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Listen to this. I just want to back up. There's a lot there, a lot there we could talk about, but I want to just focus it on this part right here. You're being built up as a spiritual house, God's house, where Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Babies need a home. You cannot expect newness of life to be sustained and cared for and protected if it does not belong in a home. And what is Peter saying here? He's saying your home is the house of God. Your home is not, you know, I know you found a lot of connection and relationship at the bar last weekend. But now that you're a new creation, that's not your home. This is your home. I know you found in this community, in that group, in that Instagram chat, in this whatever, I know you found connection there. That's not you anymore. You're a new creation. New creation, you're a stone that's being put into a spiritual house. You belong. This is your home. This is my identity. This is my home. This is the place I connect. Well, Kyle, I really struggle to connect with people at church. Listen, I think as all of us grow and mature, God starts to intertwine us more and more and more and more and more. Your natural background may look nothing like the person you're sitting next to. Your earthly natural background may look nothing like, but you know what we all have in common? We were once sinners saved by grace. And so we share a new birth experience. 
we share a father and we share a house. I don't want to see any more Christians who say that they share a father, but they don't share the house. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Well, I'm a Christian, but I just kind of do my own thing because the house of God's messed up and crazy. It's messed up and crazy because you're in it. The church would be perfect if there was no people there. But then we wouldn't have a church. There's a lot of deferred maintenance that needs to be done on the house of God. A lot of maintenance where he needs to tweak us. And <laughs> that amen was from the guy who does the deferred maintenance at our church. <laughs> amen. There's a lot of deferred maintenance that needs to be done on our lives. There's a lot of tweaking. There's a lot of growing. We all have to have grace with each other that our neighbor isn't quite right yet. We all have to have grace with each other. You know, I, I heard someone say, this place is gonna become an unsafe place to, to leave your purse sitting there when you are at church. Because some guy who just said yes to Jesus is gonna be like, oh, okay. You know, uh, not everyone's gonna be perfect around here. Not everyone's gonna be, but we're all gonna be maturing. We're all gonna be growing. We're all gonna be, we need a home though. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? We need a home. This newness of life that you have needs a home. Do not say yes to Jesus in an emotional experience and have this awesome newness of life experience and then not be a part of the house of God. Without the house of God, you're not gonna grow to become who you're supposed to be. Imagine if you had a baby and then the parents were like, we're gonna go home, but we're gonna leave the baby because the baby, you know what? They're our child no matter where they are. They're, they're our child no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, that's our child. The thing we're always gonna have in common is that we gave that baby life. Now where they live, we don't care. Whose house they go to, we don't care. No, God wants his kids at his house. Are you hearing me? He wants his kids. Now I know I'm preaching to the choir because I need to be saying this to the people who didn't come back to church this week. But I'm telling you so you can tell them <laughs> it's great that you raised your hand last week. Babies need to be in their dad's house. Are you hearing me? All right, here's another one. Here's another one. All right, we're almost done. So everyone can just, you can, we're good. We're almost done. <laughs> Listen to this. First Corinthians, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? This is talking you collectively. In other words, all of us together are God's temple. When we come together, the Spirit of God's here in an extra special kind of way. Well, Kyle, God is everywhere. Yeah, but there's levels of his presence. God is omnipresent. In other words, he's everywhere. But when we're together, he says, the Spirit dwells in you. In other words, there's, there's a difference between him just being everywhere versus this is his home. This is where he, are you hearing me? All right, let's go to the next one. All right, let's talk more about babies. Okay, listen to this. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. I love this. In the original language, it literally reads, once you not people, now you, God's people. Once you, not people. 
Now you, God's people. I see the, the Drake meme right there. <laughs> Old you, new you. Not people, God's people. Before you were not a people, now you are a people. What is this saying? This is saying, this is saying a couple things here. This is saying that once you did not belong, this is saying once you did not have commonality, this is saying once you were a loner, this is saying once you were on your own, you were just kind of, you know, I am my God, I am my, I am, you were, you were just a thing. You were just not, you were not even a people. You're hearing me. But now you are God's people. So cool. Once you had not received mercy, again in the original language, it's once you know mercy, now you have been shown mercy. If, if you look in the original language, it's once you, not people, now God's people, you know mercy, now shown mercy. Who were you before? You were not a people. Who are you now? You are God's people. Who were you before? No mercy. Who are you now? Shown mercy. God has shown you mercy and he's made you into the people of God. Here's the last thing that babies need. Babies need a family name. And they need to know their family name. And they need to grow into their family name. You were once however you define yourself. You were once all of the things. I'm this and I'm this and I'm, you know, I'm this and I'm, this is who I am. And people try to form their identity on just their uniqueness, my aloneness. This is who I am. I'm this and I'm this and I'm this and I'm all this and I'm all this. But he's saying, no, that was who you once were. Your primary identity now, like the top thing, the, the, the thing you are is God's people. Like of all the labels I could possibly apply to anyone's life, I would think God's people is the highest label. I would think God's people is like the greatest honor of a lifetime. I'm a father, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm all this. You know what's like so cool to me? Like I'm chosen by God, I'm one of God's people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All the other labels, all the other things, all that you used to not belong, but now you have a family name. What is our family name? Put this verse back up on the screen. Put this verse back up on the screen. Check this out. What is our family name? Chosen race. Royal priesthood. Holy nation. His possession. What's our family name? Chosen race. Royal priesthood, holy nation, his possession. There's all this, there's all this debate right now about color of skin and this and that. In this room, we're all chosen race. You're hearing me. That same passage could be chosen generation. That same passage could be chosen people. What, what, what's the big idea here? Chosen. By who? By God. Whatever used to define me cannot be the thing that defines me now. The thing that has to define me is, God, God, you chose me. 
That's my, that's who I am. I am chosen by God. Listen to this royal priesthood, a family name has a family business. What's our family business? What do we do? You know, the, the, the Italians in New York, they're all mobsters, right? <laughs> Including the ports. And they just brought their mob down to our church. And then they all became Christians. A guy with a mustache like that has buried a couple bodies. He's like, I have buried bodies. I've done several funerals. <laughs> right? Every family has a family business. So many movies get made about trying to reject your family business. Right? Uh, uh, what's the Pixar movie? Uh, we all make shoes. And he's like, no, I love music. I'm not going to be a shoe guy. I'm going to make music. Right? Coco. What a great movie. But he's like, I'm rejecting my family business. No, this is a family business that if you're in this family, this is what we do. What do we do? We're a royal priesthood. What is a priesthood? Priests offer sacrifices to God. We worship God. When I come to church on Sunday morning, I'm, I'm a royal priesthood. What do I do? I worship Jesus. With my life, with my body, Paul says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What do we do in this family of God? We're royal priests. We're priests. In other words, I can't do some of the things that my friends want me to do or that I used to do. Or I, and there's some things I have to do that people are like, why are you doing that? Why do you give? Why do you serve? Why do you keep showing up there? Why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep? Because I'm a royal priesthood. I'm about my dad's house. I'm about his worship. Royal priesthood. A holy nation. Holy, holy. A holy nation. Be ye holy as I am holy. I had to say it in the King James because ye just makes it sound more powerful. Be holy as I am holy. Holiness has been preached all about the, the kind of skirt you can or can't wear at church, the kind of hat you can or can't have on in the building, how big your hair has to be, how small your hair has to be, how whatever, all this stuff. That's not holiness. What is holiness? Holiness means set apart. Holiness means I'm not of this world. I don't talk like the world. I don't look like the world. I don't act like the world. Not my outward appearance, but my heart. There is a difference about me than the world. Why? Not because of my works but because of the family I belong to, a holy nation. If we think God doesn't care about holiness, we've totally missed it. He died not only to save us, but to make us holy. Are you hearing me? Sometimes we get worried about talking about holiness because we're just like, like, oh, well, we don't, we don't want to get back to a works mindset. We don't want to get, that's not what Peter's talking about here. Peter's talking about your birthright. Peter's talking about this new creation that you are because of the blood of Jesus. This is who you are now. You're a holy nation. That's so good. And a people for his own possession. I don't want to withhold from God the thing he came for, which is to create a people. To, if, if, if he gives new life to a bunch of people and they all become little spiritual babies, what does he want? He wants to put them in a family together. He wants to encourage, he wants to feed them. He wants to mature them. 
and he wants them to be a part of the family name and the family business. What do we do here as a family? We're a chosen race, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, we're a people for his possession. That's who I am. How, you know, how, who are you? What's your identity? I'm a, this is what I am, chosen by God, royal priesthood, holy nation, his possession. All those who are in Christ Jesus, you are his workmanship. Okay, what do we do about all of this? I wanna encourage you, you just said yes to Jesus last week. We celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. Today I'm talking about your resurrection. You have new life. I wanna encourage you, don't let life shake you. The only way you're gonna, you're gonna find that your life is not shaken by the events of your life is if your faith and your love grow strong. If your faith and your love grow strong, then the shaking of life will not shake you. What do we do now with, with this? We need to feed, we need milk, we need the word of God. If the word of God is what led you to faith to begin with, it's gonna be what sustains your faith now. You need the word of God in you. As you drink that milk, as you feed on the word of God, it's gonna mature you, it's gonna build you up. What do we need? We need to grow up. We need to grow up. Let me just say that one more time. We need to grow up. There's something about the generation we live in that we love to just stay broken. We celebrate brokenness as if it's a trophy. We wear it like it's, we talk about my disability and my issue and my, as if it's something like a badge of honor. God wants to make us healthy and whole. Now, I think that past generations looked at that stuff like, just grow up, just don't even, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, there's something to understand here. There's a balance here to understand. But man, we gotta be people that are growing and maturing and not clinging to the old broken version of ourselves, but clinging to the new thing God wants to make us into. Grow up, mature, right? What do we need? We need a house of God. Be in the house of God. What do we need? We need the family name. Right now, we're gonna, we're gonna stand to our feet in just a moment. We're gonna worship. And when we do, we're gonna offer spiritual sacrifice to God. You can stand up right now, actually. Yeah, stand up. In just a moment, we're gonna worship. We're gonna offer worship to God. We're gonna worship him. We're gonna praise him because everyone in this room, you are a royal priesthood. I know you don't got the collar. I don't either, praise Jesus. I know you don't got the hat. I, don't, I know you don't got the staff. I know you don't got the whatever other Catholic thing that they do, right? Well, I'm not a priest. No, you are a priest. If there's any question about it, Peter says earlier in the verse, you are offering priestly sacrifices. You, all of you. It means all of you are a priest. We're gonna worship God. We're gonna honor God. And we're gonna be the people of God that God's called us to be. Let me pray a prayer over you. God, I thank you so much that you are crafting us together to be the people of God. Last week, there were so many people who said yes to Jesus. This week, God, there's so many, or last week, there's so many people who had newness of life. But God, today, help us to understand that we're gonna be sustained in that newness of life by the word of God, by growing up, by being in the house of God, by being a part of the family name. God, we thank you for it today. As we worship you today, help us to worship as royal priests. Help us to worship as priests and honor you and give you the glory and honor you deserve, offering sacrifices, offering worship to our God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. amen.